Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Hello, what do we talk about now that um, there's no games to, to look back on? Do we talk about the reaction to Robbie Nielsen's interview last week before we got on to our main topic of this week? We certainly can. Yes, we are bringing this to you on the 19th of May, so it's only right that we refer back to a certain event on this date a few years ago. But yeah, before we get to that, it's certainly worthwhile mentioning, obviously our last episode, Robbie Nielsen joined us for a for a chat and yeah, it's been gaining a bit of reaction as we expected, <clears throat> um, some of it positive, some of it the other way and I think we knew, Mark, that it would always be the case, that was always going to happen. Yeah, um, as I say, it wasn't about turning people's minds or anything like that. And we knew that we, we would get some stick for the questions that were asked, but I think some people thought, maybe one or two people thought that Robbie Nielsen would come on, do us a favour in his spare time, of course not get paid for it, we don't get paid for this, we just do it for the love of hearts. But then we grill him for two hours, come on, come on. We want him back on, um, in good times and in bad. And there's ways, I mean... Like, feel free to phone him up yourself and, and, and ask him. Right top of the club, should he get back to you? We're not trying to change people's minds. If it swayed one or two towards giving him a little bit more time, great. No problem with that whatsoever. So, yeah, I was I was fine with it. Um, I thought he came over pretty well. Look, none of us are happy. We could have kept going on about the broader result, but it just gets, it would get him more angry, more frustrated, and it would be the same answers that would be given then. Um, that, that were given at the, at the game, so I was fine with it. I, I thought it was good to have him on. Um, I thought it was it was kudos that he'd come on a fans podcast. So yeah, we move on. Yeah, I think ultimately, I mean, certain things he said after we'd asked questions. You know, in my head, I was like, nah, don't think I go. I don't think I agree with that. Or you're kind of you're you're dodging maybe the point of certain things. But like you say, there's no point in grilling him constantly. People will hear what he said and they'll take what they want from it. I didn't agree with everything he said. Some people listening won't agree either. But I, I think that's the key thing is, you know, he's doing us a favour in his own time. It's not media duties. He's not in a press conference. He's letting us um, have a chat with him in between fathering duties and probably other things he's got on in the evening. So, yeah, there's a certain level of diplomacy that has to be employed by us. And I think, again, we said after the after the chat, and I've said on Twitter as well, I, 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 for, for me personally, I mean, I'm certainly not convinced yet that that he's the right man. I think he's got a lot of things he said that he has to back up next season. He knows that as well. So yep. by us having him on and, you know, by giving him an opportunity, you know, some of the questions were easier, should we say, for him just to talk about his plans. That doesn't mean that we've got this glowing recommendation that we fully think that Robbie Nielsen will be a great success, but he's put quotes out there that will, if it doesn't work out, come back to haunt him, I suppose. But if if it works and, and he puts in place what he said, then he'll prove a few people wrong. But it could, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sure it's the, the right thing. And it would be hypocritical for us to say that, I think, after having at yeah, least one or two episodes where we said at that point we felt he was, he, 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 he should have gone. But he's there. We know he's mm-hmm. there. 
there's no point in, I think, going round in circles about it throughout the summer and the start of next season. If we start poorly, um, the results don't go our way. Some people will say, we told you so, and they'll be right, you know, they'll be right to, I guess, refer well, back to that criticism. Right but yeah, Because he's, you'll go in the end, and they're always going to be right with the I told you so brigade. Bottom line is, Robbie Nielsen is playing for his livelihood, basically. I mean, when your livelihood's at stake, you don't just mail it in. And you have the passion. Passion's passion's great. Everyone can have passion. You've got to back that up. Yeah. And only time will tell. Only time will tell if, if that's going to be the case. But if I'm playing for my livelihood or my livelihood's at stake, I'm going to give everything I've got. Because if he is perceived not to be a failure, because I think if it doesn't work out for him, let, let's look at the other side of the story. And I really hope it does work out for him. Because I'm a Hearts fan. I want us to do well. I'm not going to sit here and, and hope that he loses or Hearts lose so that Robbie loses his job. There might be some people that want that. Hopefully they're in a very small minority. But that, that's fine. And as I say, we're not trying to change their minds. So I, I want them to do well. I want Hearts to do well. But if they don't, and Robbie doesn't last the season, then what type of manager or what type of club would be looking to hire Robbie Nielsen in the future? Well, a club that wants to get the championship. And the, this might be his glass ceiling. He doesn't want it to be. He went down south to MK Dons thinking he could be successful there and then get a bigger move or a better move to a bigger club down there, which didn't work out, but he's learned lessons. Was last, I mean, it's like a broken record. Was last season ideal? No. He came on our podcast last July and said this was his philosophy. Did that play out? Not really. Okay, but hearts are up. I just want to draw a line. I've said it before. I want to draw a line in the sand. That was last season. This is next. From now on in, we've got the whole summer to talk about this, to preview next season, to analyse the new signings, to analyse those he's decided to, to get rid of. So I think looking at next season as a whole, if, he, if he's not successful, right, he's going to be a good championship manager. Oh, he'll get us out of the championship, and that might be it. But if he is successful next season, he's not going to turn everybody, but... If we can get a European spot, I would sign up for that right now. None of this top six, or oh, it should be saying top four. Look, a European spot, right? We've got the Nations, um, not the Nations League, that's for the International, the Conference League, which is starting. So the, the majority of the top six are going to be in the European, sorry, on the European stage um, as of well, the season coming up. But for our perspective, as long as we get the top six, that gives us a right good opportunity to qualify for Europe. And that's another stage. That would be a box ticked. We can't expect to challenge for the title next season because we won't. Aberdeen have, have made a couple of interesting um, additions. Looks like they're going to get J. Emmanuel Thomas, who's a good player from Livingston. Then there'll be people saying, well, why don't we go, go from?" I don't know. I don't know if Robbie fancies him. I don't know what his wages were. I don't know if we can compete right now. I don't know what our, our limit is as far as what we're prepared to spend. Because we will hopefully be getting a lot of them off the books. But that doesn't mean to say their wages are going to go towards new signings. There will still be a limit. And in extenuating circumstances, there will be the opportunity to maybe go above that limit for someone they think, right, we, we have to go over and above. Because we really think if he does well for us, we could, we could do really well as far as cashing in on that player. That's fine. They also got Declan Gallagher. Well, Declan Gallagher, from what Robbie said last week, now it becomes clear. Declan Gallagher, Ryan McGowan, these type of players, they'd be good additions to Hearts. But that'd be short-termism. That's not what they're looking for. The number, the age he gave last week was 26. He's going to be looking to bring in the majority of players under the age of 26 
that he can then help try and develop and Hearts get a sell-on value after that. Great, if that works. But the recruitment has to be so much better, Laurie, than it was last season because I don't think we got above 25% success rate with our signings last year. That's not good enough. No, so certainly work to be done. A big summer and a big season coming up for Heart of Midlothian. We'll, of course, talk more about that in the coming weeks and months. But today, on the ninth anniversary of a certain cup final, we thought it apt to spend some time looking back at that. Okay, so 19th of May 2012. Nine years ago now. Um, We've talked about this game before. We've talked about it with the likes of of Ryan McGowan on the show Mm because he was, of course, involved in it. Uh, And obviously there's been lots lots of different, I guess, content out there about it in the past. And we know that uh, Tony Brown, who's been on the podcast before, and I'm sure we'll come on again maybe to talk about this book when it's further down the line, is doing another Hearts book in relation this time to the 2012 Cup Final success. So what I thought I would do this time around is, well, this came, this popped into my head, I guess, recently because Dennis Prichinenko, um suddenly... <laughs> suddenly popped into the news touting himself for a return to hearts and it was just one of these weird what? ones like yeah just just last month saying that heart you don't wait you, you've got to have someone willing to listen to you tell your story who was responsible for providing Dennis Prichinenko with a platform god you're, yeah i, I want to say i saw it on like the record or something um it was a very loose oh yeah there's an option for me to return to hearts it was pretty much him just punting himself everywhere because his contract was up with his club in Belgium. But it got me thinking, it's one of the... What about Vasislav Kleb? Is is he coming back? He he never came. He never came. Vasislav, he never came. He never never signed. No, but did he he never... Did he never never get his photo taken in the Edinburgh Airport arrivals hall? Possibly. By the snappers? Possibly. Mm. But um, Mm -hmm. anyway, it just got me thinking. So like next year's 10 years after that game and this is where you know if you were if you'd left i don't know a, a high school class like an academy or you'd you'd finish some kind of course or something you know sometimes they have that anniversary don't they so next year this is this would be the time where people are looking at arranging the the anniversary the get together of that of that group so i thought it would be good rather than just look at the game itself but have a look at where they all are now you know what's happened to all these all the all the mm-hmm. All the players and and the coach, of course, the manager from that game. Um, so so this is a yeah, the class of twenty twelve. Where are they now? And, and and that's more to say what's happened with them since then. Before I do that, I thought I'd give you a quick quiz. And the reason I'm going to do it first oh. of all is because okay. once we've gone through all the players, it might just give away some more of the information. So. Um, I wanted to start with a 5-1 quiz. For those who've not tuned in before, I often throw a little quiz in at the end of the episode for Mark to go through. So this time I'm going to throw it in at the start. Um, and I'll do the answers after we've spoken about the quiz. Not at the end of the show because some of it might become clear by then. So it's a 5-1 quiz and it's 5-1 in terms of I'm going to give you five Hearts players and one Hibs player who was involved in that game Um mm-hmm. In May 2012, of course. So I'll ask a question for each, um, have a think about it, and then once I've done all the questions, I'll go back and give you the answers. 
Okay, so player one, I'm just going to give you one one basic clue, and that's all you're getting, okay? So this player scored an international goal against the USA in November 2005. Sounds like a Scottish player. You don't have to. You don't have to tell me your workings. I'm just putting the question out there. So, okay. first player looking for the answer for this: Who scored an international goal against the USA in November 2005? Okay. Second player. Remember, these are all Hearts players just now. So, second Hearts player who was involved in the May 2012 Cup final. This player played one solitary game for Aberdeen in March 2015. In a 1-1 draw with Dundee, if that helps. But one game for Aberdeen in March 2015. Okay. Player three. Again, another Hearts player. Uh, This player was, until very recently, the assistant manager at Annan Athletic. So who was, until recently, the assistant manager at Annan Athletic? Player four, who played in Blackpool's League Two playoff victory in 2017 at Wembley? So another Hearts one, who played in 2012 and also played in Blackpool's League Two playoff victory in 2017 at Wembley. Now this is number five, final Hearts player. Um, This player briefly played for Maltese Club. Now I don't know if I'm getting the pronunciation right Zebug Rangers in 2014 so another player from 2012 who also played for Maltese club Zebug or Zebug Rangers in 2014 and the one so this is the question six this is the one Hibs player Although a loser in 2012, obviously, um, he also did win a cup final derby at a different club three years earlier. So lost in 2012, of course, in the Hibs team, but won a cup final derby at a different club three teams earlier. Good questions. And and if it helps that last player, um, in that cup final three years earlier... There was also a Hearts Cup winner, not from 2012, but there was a Hearts Cup winner in each side, both the winning and the losing side. I so would not the Scottish Cup final then. Hmm. Can't be because it wasn't a derby. Rangers Falkirk. Okay, so um, I'll go back through them, see what see what you got. Okay. So okay, okay. Player one, and this is the first of the five Hearts players. So who scored against the USA in an international match in November 2005? I was at the game, uh, and okay. it was Andy Webster. Yes, indeed. Scotland won, USA won. Andy Webster scored the goal. Um, Craig Gordon was between the sticks. Stephen Presley started at centre-back with Webster, and Hartley was in midfield. <clears throat> there was a time where... That was when I actually used to watch Scotland a bit more. <laughs> but that was a time where I remember it was that really solid spine from Hearts and the team. Gordon and goals, Presley, Webster, centre-back, and Hartley in front of them in midfield. Decent side. Decent side. Very decent side. Um, still couldn't do what the current Scotland side have done, though. Get to mm. major finals. Uh, okay, next one. This player played a single game for Aberdeen in March 2015, so almost three years after that 
Cup final for Hearts in a 1-1 draw with Dundee. Was it Andrew Driver? It was, yes. He signed for just a couple of months at Aberdeen and that was his only appearance. Signed in March, played in March and then I think he left two months later or so. So yeah, well done. Okay, question three. Assistant manager at Annan Athletic until recently. This question kind of came up um, in a different guise recently. Um, uh, Danny Granger? It's not, no. I'll give you a second punt. It's not sleeves, is it? It's not Stephen Elliott. Nope. Craig Beatty? No. It was Darren Barr. Darren Barr. Was it? Didn't know that. Assistant manager Annan from 2018 until earlier this year. He also played 23 times last season for Annan. Oh, okay. So there you go. Um, Okay, what player played in Blackpool's League 2 playoff victory in 2017 at Wembley? Stephen Elliott. No. Blackie was down there, wasn't he? Yes, Ian Black. Honestly, do you ever talk yourself out of something? And yeah. always just your gut instinct. I'm not saying it's always right, but you, I don't know why the human brain kind of, you know, can't be him, go, go somewhere else. Um, yeah, Ian Buff, yeah, because he was down there. Stephen Elliott. Yep. Ian Black uh, came on the 62nd minute in Blackpool's 2 1 win over Exeter in front of 23,000. He just had a short spell with Blackpool, 13 appearances, but helped them to promotion. Would that okay. have been prior to Rangers? After. Or after. after. Sorry, 2017. After, Rangers, yes. after yeah. Yes, of um, briefly played for Maltese club Zebug Rangers in 2014. Which player was that? Was it Suso? Nope. Is it a starter? In the cup final. Well, if I say no, then it reduces it to only three options. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's it, it's either it's either Medi Towel or Dennis Prichinenko, then. Well, it's not because it's neither of those. Oh, um, McGowan. What's he? McGowan never played over there. He played everywhere else. He went to China for three billion a year. No, it it's just, it was Mr. Craig Beatty actually who. Apparently only made wow. one appearance for this Maltese club. Um, he apparently was only there for two weeks between spells at Dundee and Air United. Very brief, and I have no idea how good Zebug Rangers are, even in Maltese terms. Um, no. Can't, can't say I know much about them. But there you go. Okay, so the last one. Um, this is the Hibs player, the one of the, the, the 5-1 quiz. So although a loser in this cup final... He won a Derby Cup final at a different club three years earlier. What's the context of the word Derby? So the, the final was a Derby, is that what you're saying? Yes, it was a Derby and he was on the winning side. So I, I need to know, what because Rangers Falk, it's not a Derby. Um, so in 2009 final, is it Owen Doyle? It's not, no. Jorge Claros? No, you're thinking. You're thinking too. It's it's more. Too exotic. You're thinking too. Yes, you're thinking too exotic. 
No. Do you know the weird thing is, Matt Docherty is now at Spurs. Yes, he is. He is. He's 20 years old, and he, he had his arse felt that day. I'm, I'm so... Is it one of the Scottish boys? Yes. Oh, G- Gary O'Connor. Moscow. No, I'll just tell you. It, so Mark Brown, who was, of course, in goals for Hibs in the 5-1 game, he was on the bench for Celtic as they defeated Rangers 2-0 in the 2009 League Cup final. Oh, shit, man. I was looking at the Scottish Cup final. You're... Oh, oh that's... I just said cup. I just said cup final. I know, um, I know. These these are very, very good questions. Kudos to you. Paul Hartley was in the Celtic team. He played seventy two minutes of that game. They did actually go to extra time. Celtic won it two 0 in extra time. Um, Paul Hartley played for Celtic that day. And there you go. Well, I'll throw it out to you. Can you tell me the Hearts Cup winner in the Rangers side that played that day? In two thousand and nine League Cup final. Two thousand and nine League Cup final. Uh, Played all the game, played the whole, played uh, God knows how, but he played um, the 90 minutes and the added time, and the extra time, I should say. Webster? Nope. Who? David Weir. I thought you meant someone that was in, that played for us in 2012 No, no, well. I, I said earlier that they were the two I, parts I, cover. Anyway, there you go, the 5-1 I, quiz. Very good. I didn't think I did very well, but... Excellent. I hope, I hope others did better than me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out what, what year Gary O'Connor played in the Russian Cup final. Anyway, good effort. What is going through their minds just now? It's once in a lifetime stuff. Paolo Sergio, the Hearts manager, who came in back at the start of the campaign. Jim Jeffries was in charge for the first few matches. Paolo Sergio came in. But for him, the players, the rest of the coaches, especially the supporters of both clubs who have come along the M8 with big anticipation, but also with butterflies. It's a game that would be amazing to win, but even worse to lose. scenes here at Hampden Park. Defeat to your neighbours in a match of this magnitude is unthinkable for Hibernian and Heart of Midlothian. The 295th Edinburgh Derby will end with either James McPake of Hibs or Marius Salyukas of Hearts lifting the oldest national trophy in the world. What is just the 12th Scottish Cup meeting between the teams in a century. Okay, the class of 2012. So let's take a look back. So rather than talking too much about the game itself, let's have a look back at all the players who are involved and what's happened to them since. So I guess we'll naturally start in goals with Mr. Jamie McDonald, who was 26 at the time of the cup final and actually was making his 50th appearance for Hearts. Um, wasn't even first choice, actually, at the start of that season. Marian Kello was the main man at the beginning of the campaign, but after a contract dispute, he was frozen out, would have his contract terminated in April 2012, and that meant in January, McDonald became number one and would play all of the Scottish Cup matches that season. 
Um, he kept his spot actually for the next two seasons, playing over 40 matches in 2012-13 and then in 2013-14. Um, in the latter season with Hearts in admin and facing a 15-point deduction, he took a pay cut to help the club survive and ended up being awarded both Fans Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year that season, but was released at the end of the campaign. Uh, moved to Falkirk the season after and played every minute of their run to the Scottish Cup final where they lost to Inverness. Uh, next up was a move to Premiership Kilmarnock, where he spent five years, although had a loan spell to Alloa in one of those seasons. Was actually called up to the Scotland squad in 2018, when on good form with Killy, although never did win a cap. And last July, he signed a two-year deal at Wraith, and this season helped the club to the playoffs. Turned 35 last month, as in April. And he's someone who, I have to say, I, I think... My my rating of McDonald actually has grown more since he's left Hearts. And yeah, maybe. Not not to say that I thought he was a bad player, but when we won that cup in 2012, he wasn't a keeper that I thought, you know, it wasn't like a Rousset or a Gordon, you know, the previous cup winning keepers I thought, who I thought were, you know, fantastic. I, I, he was sort of a, I thought he was an okay goalkeeper, but I think he, he's actually developed and he's almost got better the older he's got. And, Mid-30s now, but you know, you see Craig Gordon, obviously, a few years older than him, still going strong. He's actually one of the... He's, he's a keeper, I think, who'd still do a very good job if he can get back to the top flight, be that with Wraith or maybe with someone else. Yeah, it's not going to be with Wraith, certainly this season now. Um, yeah, a decent. I mean, I remember he had a cup run with Queen of the South when he got to the final. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, was, was outstanding and lost to Rangers. Just a good goalkeeper, really good shot stopper. And I know he's he's had a couple of thumpings um, for, from Hearts at Starks Park. Couldn't do much but, about them, to be fair. <laughs> no, exactly. And just a, a super, super nice guy, Jamie McDonald really, really is. And loved loved his time at Hearts. I, I think he, he probably improved depending on, on the goalkeepers that, that he was with. He, he had some really good um, keepers. I mean, he, he, he joined, what, maybe 2003? three, four times, so there was a lot of good goalkeepers on the books, and um, I'm sure he would have learned from them. Just a really nice guy, and just to see his face at full time in that game, and the pictures with him celebrating. Uh, superb. Really, really good lad. Indeed. Right back for the cup final, someone who uh, is very familiar with the podcast. Was that three appearances now? Um, in fact, we could say four appearances on the podcast since his first one was two episodes. So that's more that more scars around the funnel appearances for Ryan McGowan than goals that he scored at Hearts. Um, <laughs> that that said, you know, between us, we've got zero goals for Hearts. So what 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 can we say? So he was 22 at the time of the cup final and made his 47th appearance in that game and scored, of course. His third goal for the club. We should probably listen to it now, given he's probably tuning in at some point. Ranger takes the corner. It finds Scatchell. Oh, it's another! Oh, hearts are rampant! Ryan McGowan makes it four! Suddenly, it is a rout! So there you go. Of course, Gowser on the score sheet and enjoyed that one. This was actually his first team as a regular, really in the senior side of Hearts, and he won Young Player of the Year that campaign. I guess this is the game that really has 
made him such a popular figure. I think because, and we've said this before with Ryan when he's been on the show and at other times, he's the type of player that you, you watch and it was like, if any of us were decent at football, that's how we would probably react to scoring and how we'd react to, to Hearts winning a game like that. Yeah, he he was a Hearts supporter who was lucky enough to, to represent Hearts. And a guy that came over 2006 um, to, to join Hearts uh, from the, uh, the Australian kind of Institute of Sport and just bought in it right from the start. There's, there's different players. I mean, over here in the United States, you usually find that the successful guys that have come from abroad are the ones that, that, that just buy into everything, the lifestyle, uh, the culture, the games, the fans, and not just kind of, oh, God, I'm only here for a, a couple of years. Look, that, that's different in a way in, in, with Ryan going to China. But you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Ryan gave his all there during the time that, that he was in China, where he would have been a very rich guy. Good on him for, for doing that for, for his family. Um, but that's the type of guy he was. He, he wouldn't give 95%, but he wouldn't give 110% because that really pisses me off. You can't give yeah. more than 100%. Yeah. You, would, you would get that. You get every bit of sweat out of him wherever he was. Whether it was at Hearts, even on loan, I think obviously he started and, and scored in the cup final. And, and the, the, honestly, I, I spoke about Jamie McDonald's face at full time. Gowser's face in the back of the net after that goal. <laughs> I mean, he's he's just living the dream. He really is, and that is that is credit to him for buying into it, buying into the culture, the fans, the club, um, taking on the club as a, a kind of supporter, because. Everybody's story about how you support Hearts is different. Now, Ryan would have had teams that he supported, not necessarily in football, over in Australia. Um, but he really bought into it. And for him to score, magic. Indeed, so since that game, uh, he, he did start the next season as a key player in the Hearts side. He rejected a move to Rangers, who were in the third division at the time. But in January, with Hearts struggling financially, of course, they accepted a £400,000 transfer from Chinese club Shandong Luneng Taishan and uh, McGowan left that was after 72 appearances in Maroon Um, at Shandong he scored the winner in the Chinese Cup final in 2014 but that would be his last match for that club Uh, moved back to Scotland in January 2015 he actually played in another cup final and I totally forgot about that when he was with Dundee United, when they lost to Celtic in the League Cup in March that year. He played 90 minutes in that game. Um, John Souter was on the bench for his club. And Craig Gordon was in goals for the opposition um, that day. So there you go. Lots of links around there. He left United for another move to China in 2016, as he transferred to Henan Jianyi, if that's how you say it, probably not. Uh, the same transfer window that actually Osman So moved to that same club. Uh, had a short spell in the United Arab Emirates before a move to Bradford in English League One in 2018. Loan spell at Dundee in 2019, uh, before moving to the A-League with Sydney in July 2019, where he won the title last season. Um not a bad career so far, has he? 20 caps for Australia as well, played at a World Cup, and who knows what's coming next for him in the upcoming summer with his contract up. I think, I just wonder you think we'll see him back in Scotland? Yeah, I think he'll go to Motherwell. <laughs> he jokingly said that, didn't he? <laughs> I think he will, I think he fits. It um, does, actually, with Declan Gallagher. Yeah. Going. 
keeps him in the central belt for family reasons as well. Um, do, you have, kind of... do you have Graham Alexander's number? <laughs> Ryan might. Ryan might have played against him at Easter Road when Scotland played Australia. There's one to admit. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't know if people. I don't know if players swap numbers when they're. No, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, I, I think it would be rather easy to get. Ryan. I just think that would make sense. If, if he wants to come back, which clearly he does, it depends. If Sydney offer him a really good deal, I mean, Motherwell are not going to be able to offer big bucks. When you get to a stage of your life, it's not all about the money. Sometimes it's about being in the right place for the right reasons. And that might be Ryan right now. So it might be a case he, he would get offered more to play in China again or to go to Qatar or Middle East, stay in Australia. But if Motherwell came in, and offered him enough. I'm not saying Motherwell. It could, could be anybody. Kamarnock or whatever. I think a central belt move, I think Ryan would... Um, he wouldn't mind something like that. I just wish it was Hearts, but I doubt that will happen. Okay, next up at centre-back, Andy Webster, who was 30 at the time in 2012, made his 233rd appearance in that final. That was, of course, over two spells. Um, uh, finally appearing in a final with hearts, lots of finals in there, um, after missing the 20, 2006 game, after being frozen out, also won the cup with Dundee United in 2010, uh, he did stay at hearts for one more season after 2012, which took his total appearances to 272, he joined English League One Coventry after leaving hearts in 2013, signed by none other than his former defensive partner Stephen Presley. He spent two years there, making over 80 appearances before a return to Scotland with St Mirren in 2015. Two years playing with the Championship Club. Left in May 2017, but returned a few months later in a coaching capacity, and that's where he has stayed. He is currently under-20s coach at St Mirren. And, and I, I, you know, say a huge part. Everyone played a huge part who started that game especially, but Andy Webster... Left in very difficult circumstances that yeah. first time at Hearts, but kind of, I don't want to say made amends, because I think there was a lot going on with that contract and the, the, the Webster ruling, but certainly if there were people who had doubts about him and, uh, and such, he certainly made up for that with his return and obviously then finally getting to Hamden and lifting the trophy. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to remember what Hearts ended up getting. Um, oh, was it very much? I, I very think much. it was about 150 that it ended up being, um, because initially it was 625, and then the Court of Arbitration for Sports said, no, it's only going to be 150. Um, that was to be paid by Webster um, to Hearts, um, and they reduced the compensation as well. That was something... I mean, the, the, long story short, he's a smart kid, and it wasn't the biggest surprise I remember when he signed, I did an, I did an interview with him um, when he signed from from our broth. But he was very well spoken, Andy Webster, even at, even at the start. I mean, he could have been a he was a really good cricketer, and he had the chance to to go pro uh, at cricket. But Hearts signed him, and I, I think the two things that kind of stand out, well, three from Andy Webster's two times with with Hearts, learning under Stephen Presley, and and Presley taking him under his wing and, and developing him. I thought that was excellent. Two would be the cup final in 2012, being part of that. And, and three would be the Webster ruling, uh, which I'm not sure how many players since have invoked that, but 
it is what it is, and I'm glad he came back, and I'm glad he won in 2012. Let's hear from the captain, Marius Eliukas. Marius, fantastic, fantastic scenes behind you here. Just what an afternoon for Hutch. Ah, it's brilliant. It's listen. Honestly, it's a brilliant feeling, Ken. Probably football, let's live for that. You've been around this club a long time. You've grown to love this club. Just what does it mean for you personally? Now this club honestly is going to take a place over here inside of me. And all the time I'm going to come to visit over here this team to watch the game. And it's, it's brilliant. And a very big party tonight. Oh, and tomorrow as well. Well done. Thank you. Next up, obviously slightly more sombre when we refer back to his defensive partner for that game because of course it was the cart skipper for the 2012 cup final uh, 28 year old Marius Zalyukis making his 191st appearance in the final having been made skipper by Jim Jeffries in 2010 uh, a big part of the dressing room someone who I know Ryan had mentioned he, he certainly helped bring the foreign and Scottish elements together was a big part of what Zalyukis managed to do in that dressing room which was why he was so important not just on the park but off it as well and he would spend one more season at Hearts after being um, after that cup final then he was released in 2013 when the club entered administration moved to Leeds United in October that year and then had a spell at Rangers in 2014 uh, after a season at Ibrox he returned to Lithuania with FK Zalgiris before retiring in 2017 and little did I think many people knew certainly I knew nothing about it I think a lot of people even those who maybe knew him slightly didn't know much about it until October last year it became evident that something wasn't right and on that um, very sad day at the end of October in 2020 the news filtered out that Maricel Yukas had passed away from motor neuron disease but very fitting Mark that on the day he, he passed, I suppose, that Hearts were beating Hibs at Hampden Park in the Scottish Cup. It's not hard to believe this one about Marius. The stories that Ryan McGowan told about Marius, um, I loved listening to them. And he was a guy that, that came over and him and the other Lithuanians, rightly or wrongly, well, wrongly from a, from a lifestyle perspective, they were kind of saying, well, are they going to take our place or... Uh, that's that happens, but he he took that on the chin and through self-deprecation and and ultimately, I wouldn't say he was the best footballer that Hearts have ever seen, but he got better because he knew he had to get better, so he worked hard and then he worked harder, and ultimately he probably worked the hardest, and he ended up playing such an integral part for Hart Midlothian Football Club as someone that came in as an outsider along with the rest of the Lithuanians. And I've heard enough stories they used to dine on their own when they first came in. But then there was more of an acceptance of the culture. And I don't know who it was, but it didn't take them long to integrate the guys from Lithuania. And they had a laugh and a joke. And Ryan told the stories about that. And I can't remember what the, what his nickname was at, at, at first. Are you going to tell Daddy? Um I think that was that was what Ryan was referring to. That yeah. he's the kind of snitch for for <laughs> Romanov, um, but all all good natured, and I, I don't know how quickly he was accepted. Only Ryan and and the others could could put a kind of time frame on that, but it didn't take too long. 
because he was part of the dressing room to begin with after being kind of on the outside when he first came. And then not only was he, he part of the dressing room, he was the leader of the dressing room on that day in May in 2012. And obviously worth mentioning it mentioning we've spoken about it before but there is a fantastic flag that's been made for next season in honour of Mane Salyukas it was um, certainly I can't remember when it first originated but this is my story certainly were the driving force behind it on social media and there was uh, I think there was an aim to earn four or five hundred quid for it and it's over two grand last time someone mentioned it to me Um, and it's going to be 40 foot by 25 at least, so I think that'll be fantastic. Really nicely designed by Jam Tart, which you've Jam T Art, which you'll see on Twitter. So I think that'll be f- fantastic when you see that. It's, yeah. the, it's the image of Zalukas um, with his arms stretched out. One hand has the cup in it, and one hand has his Lithuanian flag. So I think that'll be a wonderful tribute to him when that's um, in Tinkastle. So yeah, he's he's the one that I think will always remember most about this. 2012 Cup final and I think you know if, if there is some kind of for instance there is a reuni- reunion next year in the 10 year anniversary I think that will be at the forefront of it as kind of remembering Zalukas as well and a tribute to him Okay, left back, um, obviously alongside Zalukas Webster and McGowan is Danny Granger, who was 25 at the time, making his 38th appearance for Hearts in that final, that being his first season at Hearts. And uh, of course, like McGowan, he also got in the score sheet. Danny Granger hasn't scored for Hearts yet. This is his big chance and takes it. So yes, scoring that penalty to make it 3-1 after Suso Santana had been fouled by Paku Jabi, who was then sent off. Granger stayed for a second season, although it was blighted by injury. He only made 13 appearances in the league that second campaign. That said, he did score the winner in an emotionally charged game against St Mirren in November 2012, when it had been revealed that the club might go out of business. The first time I think that was really evident that the problems were that serious, um, was released in 2013, had short spells with St Mirren and Dunfermline before joining League Two club Carlisle in 2014, spent five years at Brunton Park before uh, becoming club captain and making almost 200 appearances, uh, retired in 2019 and went into management with Workington in the Northern Premier League. He did play six times though in that first season when he was boss and he is still manager there now Danny Granger who um, again you know we talked about Jamie McDonald. I mean Granger was never one I thought was a fantastic footballer but it just worked at that time he was he was very much part of that that squad and that team and what a time to score your your first goal I'm going to take you back to something Robbie Nielsen said probably in the first time that we, we were speaking to him back in July about Knowing your own capabilities, knowing that you have limits, but you want to strive to get better. I mean, Zalukas 
when he came, had an issue with discipline. It was pointed out to him, in addition to him knowing that, and it was something to work on. And what Robbie was pointing out, that he didn't have a, any kind of God's gifts or anything like that. He had to work really hard at doing certain things. And with that came more of an appreciation. And I think with Danny Granger, there was something similar in that he was a good, honest pro. And it's hard to say that phrase without sounding disrespectful. <laughs> but I like defenders that can take set pieces. There's just something about that. And I mean, I'll, Stephen Kingsley, love the fact he can belt a free kick in or, or take a shot. And Granger had a, a decent, decent left foot power and, and obviously got the opening goal. But he knew what he was. But most importantly, he knew what he wasn't. So he didn't try to be something that he was. Very solid and a big part of, um, of that, that final. Really good penalty. I mean, the nerves that he may it must have had in his tummy. I mean, goodness me, I know what I was like. And I was in the stands. Well, Ian Black couldn't even watch it. <laughs> he turned his back. <laughs> I mean, you look at the penalties that we had against Celtic in the cup final and... and it's impossible to replicate that tension. I read something or heard something the other day I thought was really interesting about a manager. God, I can't remember for the life of me who the manager was. But he would only practice penalties at the end of the hardest training session of the week because he was trying to replicate the tiredness in the legs of a player who's just played 90 or 120 minutes. And I see where he's coming from. Again, you can't mm-hmm. replicate on a training field, but you're trying to. It's like it's like managers that want their players to train at twelve thirty if there's an early kickoff, or a little bit later um, if it's a five thirty kickoff. Or just you're trying to get every possible advantage. And the way he he struck the penalty was was was, was magic. It, it really was. And it was a final that we had unlikely goal heroes, wasn't it? Yeah, and that takes us perfectly to the next player who was in midfield, although signed as a defender, 27-year-old at the time, Darren Barr, who made his 34th appearance for Hearts in the final. Although signed in 2010, both form and injury had limited his appearances until Paolo Sergio started using him in midfield on a regular basis. And of course, he scored the opener. Yukas McGowan all waiting for this Danny Granger corner. Was Webster? It's still in the mixer. McGowan fresh here. He's going to get a second bite. Drops the ball. <laughs> Darren Barr is a Hearts fans licking their lips. They continue to have under their thumb. They lead the Scottish Cup final. Darren Barr, of course, getting Hearts up and running at Hamden. He stayed for one more season, scored his only league goal for Hearts in his final appearance, actually also against Hibs. Uh, moved to Kilmarnock, Ross County, uh, Dumbarton, Morton, Sterling Albion, and as I mentioned earlier, most recently, Annan Athletic, where he was made assistant manager and would play as well. And I guess, you know, you know, you spoke about Danny Granger. He is, it's a very similar one where Darren Barr was maybe not the spectacular player in that Hearts team but the way Paolo Sergio used him he was a very important cog in making that team click 
Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, you can have M and M's for doing peepees. Good girl. And I want this to be part of of the podcast because you know what? So Lainey says to me, she's just coming back now. She goes, okay, if you've got that time, can I go for a sunbed? I was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But we were delayed for whatever reason. I said, can we do it later? So then Lainey came through. I'm away from my sunbed, so I'm I'm being locked in the bedroom right now. And my daughter, I've just gone through, is thankfully she's pissed in the potty. But <laughs> that could have been, I mean, she's very proud. So that that's what that was. And I don't want you to take this out because clearly, see, if this was a woman that was doing this podcast, she would have been able to multitask seamlessly. Wouldn't have been any issues. But guys do struggle. So I thought, okay, I'll give her the iPad. I've just turned it on. iPad is disabled. Please try again in 15 minutes. Now, to get a 15 minute on an iPad, that's a hell of a lot of wrong entries for the numbers to enter. So that's that screwed. So now Lainey's back, so I'm good. Darren Barr, yeah. <laughs> wow. But you weren't expecting that, right? I was not, no. No. Almost as unexpected as Darren Barr scoring the opener in the 2012 Scottish Cup final. <laughs> I told you the story about my brother-in-law with a bet about 5-0 all week and then going 5-1. Do you, have you heard of anybody who had him just as a kind of daft fiver or a tenner first goal scorer? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, not, per, not people I knew personally, but I've definitely seen slips shared and stuff, like betting slips shared since then. Um, Must have been a big price. For, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, I would expect he was at least 30s, 40s. I mean, it depends how stingy the bookie is that you go to. But I, oh, it, was I, his first, it was his first heart goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I I picked, I think if I remember rightly, cause, uh, I went with a fiver for one of, you know, it's a cup final, you put a few little bets on. But I remember picking a defender, and I think I went Webster for a first scorer. You know, someone who's going to be up for a set piece, and you get a good 30 yeah. to 1 plus or something. I did think about Barr, but I remember at the time looking, it's like, nah, Bar doesn't even score like headers from corners. You're not going to put him on. Um, but he got the goal, and obviously it's, it's probably what he'll you would think maybe what he'll remember most fondly, career-wise, is scoring right. in that cup final. Um, another player who was heavily involved was Suso Santana, 27 at the time, making his 71st appearance in the final. Won the penalty for the third goal, which I mentioned, which Danny Granger dispatched, set up Scatchel for the fifth. It would be his final game at the club as he returned to his boyhood team, uh, Tenerife, in the summer. And he's still there now. And at 36, he's still playing and is captain and has over 250 appearances. Yeah, and um, what was he? Five, eight and a half. It was that extra half inch by using that extra half inch and throwing himself into the box despite the contact from Pakujabi occurring outside the box and not being a continuation foul that earned us the, the, the penalty. That, that How I many months ago was it now? We did. What if VAR existed when Hearts played X game against X? That would have been interesting because it, it would have been a free kick, not a penalty, so it would have stayed 2-1. Yeah, red card, though. Well, he'd already been booked, hadn't he? Yeah, so yeah, I think so it's not going to It's not going to change... That and you would expect Hearts to go on and well, I would hope against ten men win it. But yeah, live on his day, good. Uh, how often did we see his his day? Yeah, and I mean, I, I just think it's terrific to see. I think he, I think I actually looked and he played um, just at the weekend, just past. Still, um, he, he appeared for 
for his club and I, I just think it's terrific to see him still going because it's one of those, you know, he wasn't a young player at the time, he was sort of in his peak, yeah, you know, late 20s, still going strong. Um, interesting you mentioned VAR because the next player on my list also was 27 at the time, same as Suso of the cup final and someone who was really certainly at the peak of his career was Ian Black um, mm. making his 104th Hearts appearance in the final and also like many of them making his final appearance for Hearts but interestingly you mentioned VAR <laughs> if VAR had been around then Ian Black who was arguably the man of the match and I think he was given the main man of the match award on the TV if VAR had been around he probably wouldn't have played the, the 90 minutes to get that man of the match award <laughs> Was there not an incident where he could have been sent off? That's what yeah, the the elbow into into Lee Griffiths, which, um, you know, have to confess that since he didn't get sent off, I think a lot of people look at it very fondly because, well, it was Lee Griffiths and it was. He didn't even get booked, did he? No, I don't think anything happened with it. But um, one of these, if if it was a red card, if 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 it was VARD, it was a red. But there you go. That's that's what happens, and he's one of these players that was really. That six months, especially for the second half of that season under Paolo Sergio, he was just a different player than what we'd seen from Ian Black previous and possibly after. I didn't watch him on a regular basis for, for the likes of Rangers. But he, he left to join Rangers in July that year, spent three years at Ibrox, won the fourth tier and the third tier, moved south in 2015, spent time with Shrewsbury Town and then Blackpool, as we mentioned, where he won the playoff. Um, and was most recently playing in the East of Scotland League with Trenent Juniors and then Dunbar United. But what a, what a game he had and what a second mm. half of the season he had. And just, um, I think that was... And it's funny, you know, I was thinking this when I was looking through the team. Um, so many players, really that was the peak, the pinnacle for them. Either that was, even if they were maybe the younger, they haven't been emulated that sort of success at that level or if they were at the peak of their career or later on that this was like the height of their success um for most of them you would say that's the case and that's a good point looking at 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 the team you can have big names star players or whatever but if you get star players in a mood or just not up for it complacency or or whatever it seems although they've got all the talent in the world Putting them all together, does it always fit? Not necessarily. And, and look at that lineup: McDonald, McGowan, Granger, Webster, Bars, Alucas, Santana, Black, Elliot, Scatzel, and, and Driver. I mean, Rudy was Rudy was the player. Um, obviously, he was thirty-two at the time. We'll get on to him in a minute. But but they were all players that I think would have really appreciated being in the in the team that day. Mm-hmm. playing in a cup final and with that would would come I would imagine and given the scoreline a likelihood of knowledge of the importance um, one two three four Scots but that doesn't mean anything because McGowan you saw what Hearts meant to him Gra- Granger you saw what he meant when, when he scored the penalty Marius I mean captain in the football club you can have an affinity from birth with a football club you can have an affinity through parentage, grandparentage, who take you to a game. But when you're woven, intrinsically woven into the, the football club and the colours and what it means to you, so many of those players were and played like they were. And if they weren't, 
spent they did a bloody good job at, at pretending they were because he got everything out of 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 the uh, of the team that day. He, he really did. And again, star names, not really, but there was unity, and my God, there was unity that that gave us one of the best days of our lives. And you rightfully mentioned um, Mr. Rudy Scatchel, who was 32 at the time. He was next to my list, making his 109th and final appearance for Hearts over two spells. And of course, he scored twice. Black. Give himself some space. Rudy Scatchel! And again, oh, Rudy Scatchel. Oh, and he has got the fifth one. It is five star parks. Rudy Scatchel second. His 18th of the season. And this is going to go into the annals of Edinburgh Derby hammerings. And those goals made it 48 in 109 appearances. An absolutely phenomenal goal ratio for a midfielder. Uh, Moved to Dundee United the following season. (laughs) Took the number 51 that manager uh, Peter Houston claimed he had no idea what the reference was when he allowed (laughs) Rudy Scatchell to take that number. not sure I believe that. He then returned to Slavia Prague for a, for a third spell in 2013. Uh, returned briefly to Scotland with Wraith Rovers in 2016 when he was signed by Carry Locke and ended his career with FK Prebram in the Czech Republic where he retired in 2019 and is now sunning it in LA with his family. Is he? Is he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, if you... Um, I'm not sure. I know he has some... Business interests. He, he has Scatchel Sports, which I think is a sort of sports training um, organization. I don't know the details of it, and obviously with recent things going on in the world, it's probably been put on hold. But yeah, one thing I can certainly see from his social media is he's sunning it with his family Good. in a in a very exotic part of the world, which I think is which is fantastic. It's probably fitting for someone who was. It's one of these where. Depending on your age, I think this is almost, you know, the majority of Hearts fans will say, who's your favourite player? And for most between, what, in the last kind of half century, we'll say it's either John Robertson or it's Rudy Scatchel. Depending if you were young enough to watch most of Robertson or if you were a little bit older like myself, I only got the tail end of Robertson's career, but I saw all of Rudy Scatchel's career at Hearts over two spells because it's just there wasn't anyone like him in the last what twenty years following Hearts. No, that left foot. I mean, God, I, I know Albers had a wand of a uh, a left foot as well, but for us, Rudy. I mean, I'll never forget commentating on those games to begin oh five oh six. Because you had no idea what was what was to come, and even 
even after the Killy game. The momentum didn't start after the Killy game. It, it was a continuation of of momentum. But that was our kind of not first glimpse because he played a little bit in pre-season, but that was kind of when you thought, okay, who's this kid? And if you wanted him to work box to box or side to side or effort, no. But he didn't need to. He didn't need to. And those those first eight games when he scored in, in 2005 to, to begin the season, that is as exciting a time. You just could not wait to get to the football at the weekend. George Burley, a couple of weeks ago when we had him on, told the story of being at Tanadice and was like, what the hell? How come all these Hearts fans are here so early? It was just, it was so special. And I'm so glad that that season led to a little bit of success, obviously winning the cup in the end against Grenna, because it would have been so, not unfair, because you've got to earn what you get. It would have been so harsh if Hearts hadn't won anything that season. Um, it might have been deserved because of the way that Romanov um, behaved, but but we did, and, and Rudy was a big part of that. And I have to say, when, when he, he had his, his kind of Issues first time around and not personal, just kind of contractual with, with Romanov and everything like that. I didn't think we'd see him again after he went to Southampton. So to have him back, um, not quite the player he was, but still had that left foot. And then for him to, and that was goals four and five that he'd scored against Hibs. He just loved that fixture and we loved watching him in that fixture, did we not? We certainly did, and he's one of these. I mean, you could you could say it's in some ways similar to Robertson, although he didn't play much elsewhere. Although he obviously had that spell at Newcastle, where it just didn't quite click the same. But for Scatchell, although he had a a good career, it, it, Hearts he was just it was a whole different ball game at Hearts, especially with his goal scoring. You know, to have a one and two goal ratio at Hearts, it just it was unbelievable just how much it clicked and I think that's one of the big things with a lot of these a lot of these players were talking about this was the peak of their career but for Scatchell when he was at Hearts he was just it, it, like if he'd been able to emulate that through his entire career he'd be oh. uh, what a, what an unbelievable career it would be had but you know for first time round Laurie have you ever and there's not been that many have you ever looked at a player in the Hearts jersey and thought how the hell are you at Hearts now, I'm not talking about those that we've looked at, whether it's Castanier, Free, or these guys. Go, how the hell are you? I'm talking about how the hell are you at Hearts? I.e., you should be at a better club than us. We are lucky to have you. There's not been that many. Scatchel first time round. Bednar. Uh, Pospisil when he was when he was flying. Edgaris Jankowskis. Takis Fisas. I mean, that, that team in 05-06, there was a lot... that. That is the team that's had the most, in a good way, how the hell are you at Hearts? And maybe there's some semblance of homework going forward, a kind of how the hell are you at Hearts 11 in that <laughs> he plays for Hearts and, oh my God, he plays for Hearts. There's going to be a kind of two against two. There must be a, a how the hell are they at Hearts part one and, and part two, but for very different reasons. Yeah, definitely. And it's I think one of the, I mean, 2006 is interesting because you talk about you know, we're talking about this team in 2012, and on the whole, this is really the peak, the pinnacle of the of the career for for a lot of these players, for most of them, really. Whereas 2006, you can talk about Craig Gordon, Takis Fisa, Edgaris Jankowskis, who have all either before or after you could say have achieved a lot more success, or you know, 
in the case of Jankowskis or Fisas, they've achieved bigger, you know, greater success than winning a Scottish Cup. But for this team, although Scatchell was a fantastic player, it was at heart that he had all this main success. And this game, I think, will be his, the pinnacle of his career. Andy Driver was also a big part, of course, of that game. Um, <laughs> was only 24 at the time. It doesn't feels like he should have been older because he'd been around Tarts for such a long time. But he was making his 141st appearance. Um, gave Matt Doherty a torrid time, who, of course, now plays for Spurs. He he stayed for the following season as well, but left for the MLS to join Houston Dynamo. That was in February 2013. Had a brief spell at Aberdeen, as we talked about earlier, just one appearance there, and then had three years in the Netherlands with De Graaf Schaap, one in the Eredivisie and a couple of seasons in the second tier. That was until 2018. He's now based in Houston in a, a non-footballing role. But um, he's one who, I suppose, hadn't quite managed to kick on like a lot of Hearts fans had hoped because of injury really holding him back he almost had those big moves to England but this game for him as well was when he really did shine again I have found, I've never seen this website before but I actually quite like it, it's called footballtransferleague.co.uk and it's all the expired rumours that appeared in the papers okay. none of them clearly <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic so let's Let's start in 2008. Winger Andrew Driver's agent will have talks with Hearts today following interest from Burnley and Sheffield United. That was in the Express. Daily Mirror, later that year, 2008, December. Everton manager David Moyes sent a two-man delegation to check on Hearts' English left-winger Andy Driver in a bargain raid. Then February 2009, Hearts are set to make a summer move for Hearts' 2 million rated winger Andrew Driver after the clubs failed to agree a fee for the 21-year-old during the January transfer window. Then summer of 2009, Hearts winger Andrew Driver is wanted by FC20 manager Steve McLaren, but the ex-England boss faces competition for the player's signature. Did we not reject like three? We rejected like three million from him, I think. I don't know if we actually rejected I mean, look... The headline number would be three. How was that made up? I mean, it, it could have been anything. We'll give you a million and then two million in add-ons or, or whatever, the structure. I think we rejected probably more the structure of of the deal. But there, there certainly were, there was certainly interest. And I, I still think we, because it was about December 2011. We'll get to that in a minute. Because in June, summer of 2010, Burnley are closing in on the signature of Andrew Driver, who has rejected a contract extension with Hearts after increasing their offer for the winger to three million. So it was, looks like it's the summer of 2010, kind of on to 2011. I remember a story. Um, I'm sure it was just before I left. I left in the September to come over here. I remember running a story at the time about. Driver being in his car outside Tyne Castle with his agent or something like that, waiting on the go-ahead. Whether it was 2010 or maybe before that with a Burnley interest, I am sure that they were just waiting on the green light to go down south. I think it was to Burnley. And obviously it never materialised. And I just, that, I just thought those those old rumours, I thought that, that was really interesting. I mean, um, there was a story as well, December 2011, raging Andrew Driver wants Hearts exit, will hand in a transfer request after telling Paolo Sergio he doesn't want to play for him again. Andrew Driver, from a lovely kid, 
Really, really nice kid, and I'm glad he's he's happy and settled over here in in Houston, down in Texas. Um, I'm just annoyed I didn't get the opportunity. Our our schedules didn't kind of really match up when I was down for the the World Series because I would love to have seen him. But he's, he still loves hearts and and catches games even though it's a I think it's a six hour time difference. But Andrew Driver for me is one of these players. It's a what if we had gone to Burnley and or Coventry, or, or, or wherever, um, because there was something there. there. There really was with Andrew, and I think we got him at a, a decent time. I mean, what was he, 24 uh, in, in 2012? Coventry, Burnley, Everton, these teams that were linked, a lot of that would have been buying potential. And I know he went on to the, the Netherlands as well. If he'd fulfilled his potential, how good do you think Andrew Driver would have been? Well, I mean, he was... He was in England on the 21 side, and was, Scotland yeah. made a big effort to to make him available for them. I know he never actually got a senior cap with with anyone. Um, I think he would have definitely been. Uh, I, I definitely is the wrong word. I think there was definitely potential though for being a top flight player in England, not a top five or six club necessarily, but. Certainly, like the, solid pro in the top flight. Yeah, I think winner. you know before before he got injured. You know, I remember us talking that five million would be maybe where we would, if I remember rightly, would maybe would maybe speak. You know, we maybe talk to a club if that was the number that came up. And this is a long time ago where transfer fees were much lower than what they are now. It's maybe not a long time ago, but the way transfer fees have exploded. You know, five million then is what ten, fifteen million now at least. Um, mm. So I think he would have he would have gone far, um, further than he did. But for, you know, we obviously benefited because we then still had him in 2012 and he played a big part in that cup final, as did Stephen Elliott, who's the final of the 11 that started the game that we've to go through, who was 28 at the time. Another player making his final appearance, his 65th and last game for Hearts in the final after two years at the club. He moved to Coventry in the summer, then to Carlisle United, then back to his native Ireland in 2016, and then ended his career at non-league Morpeth Town before retiring in 2018. And I believe he's now doing his coaching badges from his social media updates. Anyway, looks like what he's looking at at the moment, so maybe a coaching career to come. But he was often, you know, he's a striker who didn't score a lot of goals for hearts anyway, but... He did so much work up there, and I think Ryan again talked about this as well. He was such a key player in that team because of the work he put in mm-hmm. in that top half of the field, yeah. and it, it, that sort of thing helped the likes of Scatchell get so many goals and, and get the headlines quite often. Yeah, there's your example I was saying earlier about the teammate that has to go the extra yard to compensate for Rudy not doing that extra yard, and, and Stephen Elliott would would run all day. You, you, you think about players, and a lot of players that you think about, you, you can automatically put a position beside their name. Elliot's slightly harder to do that. He's not a striker. He's a forward. Is he a second striker? Is he best off the striker? Is he more of a, a kind of number 10 and more of an attacking midfielder? He's just a, a really good team player. And what age was he in? In 2012, 28. 28? Yeah. So again, that's, that's, a, that's a decent age. I mean, he spent time, had a decent career at, 
Sunderland, Man City as a youngster, Wolves was okay, Preston, and then then Hearts. And he was he was one of these. He, he was never going to be the player that fans went into the club store at Tynecastle and said, "Can I get Elliot on the back of my jersey?" And neither was Callum, by the way. So there were there were very few Elliot jerseys, I think, going about. But he was he was one of the kind of unsung heroes. He's the type of player that the teammates love having. In the side, he's the type of guy that he'll he'll do everything, and he'll not ask questions. He'll just go and do it. And I don't, I I I didn't meet him um, when he was at Hearts. I, I was over here by all accounts. I mean, Ryan, I think, says he was super kid, and he seems to have developed an affinity. Even though he's two, he was only at Hearts for two years. Yeah, he seems to have developed an affinity for the football club through his uh, his kind of social media postings. Yeah, definitely. I think that's always good to see. Uh, I'll have a I'll run through the bench. Now we're talking about what's happened to the players after that cup final, so we won't talk about each one because we'll be. Mark Bridges isn't one back to Hearts, is he from Inverness? No, but let's have a look at the bench. So there was five substitutes, three of them that got used. So the three players that played: Craig Beatty, who was twenty-eight at the time, came on for fourteen minutes, his ninth appearance. Almost moved to Rangers that summer after leaving Hearts, but ended up with St Johnston before spells with Barnet, Dundee, Ayr, Stirling Albion, Edinburgh City, Elgin City, and of course I mentioned a brief spell in Malta in between. Uh, Scott Robinson was 20 at the time, came on for the last four minutes, his 48th appearance, actually played 28 times that season and went on to play three more seasons at the club and made eight appearances in the championship winning season first time around. Uh, 115 appearances actually for Hearts in total for Scott Robinson. Four goals moved to Premiership Kelly in 2015, but he actually dropped down to part-time level, was with East Fife um, by 2016, but then moved to Livy and has returned to full-time after four years in West Lothian. Now over 100 appearances and his last three seasons have been in the Premiership, unlike Hearts. So I think that's a, a story of someone who's really worked hard to get back to that level. Um, Mehdi, it's Tawil, isn't it? It's a very hard one. It doesn't roll off the tongue, that name, does it? Um, but he was 28 at the time as well, making his 30th appearance. Came on for the last six minutes, spent one more season at the club before leaving in 2013. Uh, had three years in Turkey before moving to Azerbaijan until 2017. Don't know what he's been doing since, I have to say. Haven't seen much mention of him, but he was there. He's got a medal. Mark Ridgers, 21 at the time, made two appearances that season. Would only make a further two, although stayed for two further seasons after that. Did have more appearances on Hearts TV than on the park <laughs> at Tank Castle and was very good um, at, that, at doing that role, but better as a goalkeeper and uh, after leaving Hearts in 2014 he joined St Mirren, also loaned to Kilmarnock a brief spell in the States but after returning initially to Scotland with Partick Thistle it was with Inverness Cali that he's made his name joining in July 2017 and has secured number one spot there. Um, Almost 150 appearances over the last four seasons and two more cup wins in the Challenge Cup and finally Denis Prichenenko, who was 20 at the time, the German-born Ukrainian, who made four appearances that season and stayed for a further season and made a further four appearances. Uh, had signed initially in 2009, was meant to be a set-piece expert, but 
That wasn't demonstrated very well by his effort in the semi-final against Celtic when he came on late. Uh, released in 2013, moved to Ukraine, had spells uh, with CSK or Seska Sofia in Bulgaria, uh, had a spell in Germany and then most recently in Belgium and then last month was touting himself for a move back to Hearts, which I don't think is ever going to happen. Away from the players, I thought we'd briefly before we finish up, just talk about the boss, who is of course Paolo Sergio, who just that one season at Hearts, rejected a new contract in June of 2012, although apparently the terms were much reduced to his previous contract. Um, next club was Romanian uh, side Cluj, where he led them to the knockout phase of the Europa League and actually to a Champions League group win at Old Trafford. That was December 2012. Sacked in April 2013 after seven games without a win. He's had a spell in Cyprus, he went to Portugal again with Academica, um, four years in the Middle East and most recently he's returned to Porto Menense in Portugal. Although they were relegated at the end of last season, that was overturned when two other clubs were relegated, I believe, for financial issues. And he's just about kept them up this season. I think at the time of recording, they're three points ahead with, I believe, one game left to play. They are, yeah, they're ahead of Boa Vista. And I think uh, Ryan Gold's Ferenzi and uh, Battle as well. Yep. Um, but Paolo Sergio is an interesting one because he's he's held in very high regard, and he's one of these that, similar to some of the players we've talked about, hasn't really done much since, and he, he hadn't had great success before that. He kind of, although he's still in his fifties, so he's still very not very, but he's still young for a manager. At this point, that's probably the peak for him as well. There's been opportunities when we've been looking for managers. Um, I'm not sure if they've they've coincided perfectly for Paolo Sergio to be available when Hearts were looking for managers. I wonder. I mean, based on what we saw at, at Hearts, and I, look, he's he's won a national cup in a final against our biggest rivals in the biggest game in in our lifetimes, and he's won it comfortably. How good a manager is he? And your your point is perfectly pertinent. I mean, since he was at Hearts, where's he been? What's he done? I mean, it's like a who's who. It's like a it's like a world class Scrabble score. There's not many letters you don't need to use for the teams that he's been at since then. Um, so, do we know if it was a straight choice between, say, Paolo Sergio and, and Daniel Berger, right? Out of those two, who are you going for? Bottom line is, do we know how good these managers are? Because he's done, he did great at Hearts. And is it also a case for Paolo Sergio? You know what? Hearts might be his club. Like Rudy Scatchel had Hearts as his club and just performed there. Because that he's the type, if he, if he was to come in in the future, come back to Hearts, he'd get more leeway than most others because of previous achievements. Bottom line is, you, you, you've got to win games. There's only a, a, so long a grace period you get, but you got a little bit longer, I think, if you've if you've done something previously at the football club. And I, I just don't know how... I think he's a good manager. And he's, he's had plenty of clubs. You, you don't coach at sporting if you're if you're no good. But how good was he? We'll never know long term because he had a very difficult campaign. I think one thing he did have... You know, we've, again, we've spoken to... We've heard from certain players and we've spoken to Ryan about it. He, he was a very good man-manager. And I think he got the very best out of the players he had. Um, 
And I certainly think he showed in some of the games that season that he was very good tactically in those big battles, the, the game against Celtic in the semi-final, the derbies, <laughs> maybe similar to other managers that we've had some of the some of the games where maybe we expected to win or perform, we didn't do very much. Away games, we were very difficult to watch, lacking in pace and penetration. So, oh, we were fifth that season, weren't we? we just yeah. Four away wins. But he did it when it mattered that season, so he will always be very fondly yeah. remembered for that. And I think... It's, sorry, Laurie, I was going to say, it's, it's a penalty decision at McDermott Park away from from being a failure, isn't he? Yeah, or being just a an average, forgettable yeah. one. But he had that game. He had that game, and um, whenever you hear "Give it up," um, Paolo Sergio, you, you hear that tune. And in fact, I'll end the show before when we when we get there with a um, with a different version of that because uh, Fanny oh, Bosman, no. Fanny Bosman oh, tweeted no. saying, yeah. "Had to revive this." Um, had to revive uh, this tweet when he was mentioning enjoying the version of Bright Side of Life that I used with, oh, I with a suggestion. Uh, the other day. So. Bang, 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 boom, boom, boom. Paolo Sergio bought into hearts. Paolo Sergio, we spoke about this earlier. He's He, he did what Ryan McGowan and, and others did. It was all in. It was all in for, for, for Paolo Sergio. And I know he had his, his two Portuguese uh, assistants with him. But even when he's been interviewed since that day about that game and that day, the passion just shines through. And that's one of the best days of of his managerial career, without a doubt, probably the best day. Um, and I love I love the passion. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's a very small sample size to kind of know. We're fifth in the table, four away wins, but some, some decent um, results. Some some good performances. It's 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 tough to say. It's tough to say. Um, but I mean, ultimately, he was the man in charge of the greatest day of most heart supporters' lives, following the football club and and sending them back along the M8 to to think again. Frustrating for Pat Fenlon. Nightmare is for the Hibs fans. But Hearts have won the William Hill Scottish Cup. Edinburgh will be painted maroon tonight. Darren Barr got the party started for the Gorgie side. The mother of all Edinburgh derbies has been won by Hart and Midlothian. They have filleted their great derby rivals on the biggest stage of them all in this country. Paolo Sergio guides Hearts to their eighth Scottish Cup triumph and second in six years. It finishes here, Hibs 1, Hearts 5. So that was a little look at the class of 2012. Um, rather than focus too much on the game, and we know 5-1 has been over... It's been it's been done quite a bit um, in the last nine years, and maybe overdone. Maybe it's time we had a new result to, to focus on. But I thought on the anniversary... <laughs> Um, on the anniversary, it was good to look back and take a bit of a different angle as we looked at all the these, the, the cast that made it possible. And um, Before we go this week, congratulations to Liam Boyce, who's been named the Scottish Championship Player Ooh, of the you Year. You got your way. You got your way. I wonder what Craigie's thinking. You know what? 
This is where I don't know if Hearts are having an, a kind of virtual player of the year. If it's been announced, if it has, I apologise, I've missed it. If it's not, then I can see the club player of the year being, it might be boys, but it being different. I think from a league perspective, you probably give it to Liam Boyce, right? Because of the goals that he scored at Hell Hearts. And, and as you say, Craig Gordon's save ratio compared to others. But I think from a, a club perspective, that can take into account other competitions. That was just the, what was that? The PFA, was it? The, the Scottish yes. Championship Player of the Year? Yes. That's all. I don't know if they take into account cup competitions. I don't, this is what we were trying to figure out as well. Well, Championship Player of the Year would be based purely on, purely on, on the league. championship. You would think so. But then, do we, even although it was played as part of this season, does the cup semi-final against Tabernian count um, as part of, of this season? So, again, I'm, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think both are, are very viable. I would go Craig over Liam Boyce. I, th- I actually pr- think this is probably the right decision now that I think about it for Championship Player of the Year, Liam Boyce. But I'd probably go Craig Gordon for Club Player of the Year over Liam Boyce. Which doesn't sound as though it makes sense, but I think it does. Just over all competitions and over the calendar year or since September. So based on last season's cup, and oh, that's what I'm saying. If if that's not included, then I have to give it to boys. But there's... <laughs> I know I'm winding you up. <clears throat> anyway. anyway. It was Liam Boyce. So well done, Liam Boyce, for winning Championship Player of the Year. Uh, thank you. Where for do tu- we fin- oh, so, Thank you for tuning in. Yes, second <laughs> you can finish up. Do we finish with less points without Liam Boyce or without Craig Gordon? <laughs> but but this is we had this discussion before. That's why I said I felt that Liam Boyce without that we would have been worse off if you replaced Liam Boyce with someone. Bang average, it we would have been in a worse position than if we replaced Craig Gordon. And I know that we would have maybe conceded some more goals because Craig Gordon pulled off some big saves, but I felt that Liam Boyce, with his overall contribution to the team, played a bigger part. I'm just trying to delay this, whatever bloody song you're going to play, because that always looked on the bright side. Like, I'm driving along, I live in this quiet little street, got the window down, nice day, and then I'm thinking, oh, that's a nice song. And then the then the boom, boom, boom started, and the techno nonsense. Where did you find that shite? Anyway, that's people might not have listened to that, but yeah, I used a, an interesting version of um, "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life," which was terrible, but that was kind of the point. point. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. You can you get in touch if you like on Twitter. <laughs> at Around the Funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. We'll be back next week with uh, something else to to fill another week of the close season, I'm sure, and hopefully um, we can talk about the Scottish Cup final this year, or at least mention it for now. Um, A bit nervous about that one. Uh, Until next time, goodbye.